This is Priority Talk Radio. Greg Davis is out for tonight. He'll be back next week. Do not worry. Do not fear. My name's Nate Williams. We have Andrew in the studio. And we've talked a lot about trust this past half hour. How uh, our, our dire predicament, our dire straits we're in, how no one trusts anyone. And then I talked about what we can do as the church to help to rebuild that. If you miss any of our conversation, make sure to check out our podcast, Priority Talk. It's on Apple, Spotify, and other podcast carriers. What are we going to talk about to take us to 7 o'clock? Y'all, like I said, normally on Friday nights in the second hour, we're talking with Cleet Hux about some apologetics topic. Uh, For tonight, Cleet is out, and uh, so it's me. I love apologetics, and that's what I'll talk about with y'all. And what is apologetics? Apologetics is uh, defending the faith, promoting the faith in the public square. You think uh, schools. Uh, social media, conversations out in public. That's what apologetics tries to do. And uh, an apologist tries to answer questions and put forward powerful evidence for Christianity, the existence of God, and all of that. I think it's important. It's an important part of evangelism. When you go out and evangelize, people are going to ask you questions. Okay, you say God exists. What's evidence for that? Okay, you say that the resurrection happened. How do I know? You say the Bible's trustworthy. Show, show me. Why should I believe the Bible's the word of God? And do, you, do we have good answers for that? I think we, we should. And that's part of apologetics that I would put under the umbrella of evangelism. Uh, here's the apologetics basics. So for those of you who, like me, are into apologetics, like how do you know you have a good apologetics foundation that you can kind of handle most of the things that you, uh, that you that will come your way at the casual conversational level? Here's what I say are the basics. As an apologist, you need to know foundational basic Christian doctrine. You need to know basic Christian theology. So can you explain the gospel? If you were to say, all right, in one sitting, explain to me the gospel, could you do it? Do you know who God is? Like, tell me about God. Would you know that he's a a, a trinity? God is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Would you know about the Bible? What is the Bible? The Bible's God's word, et cetera, et cetera. A good apologist knows his or her basic Christian doctrine slash theology. I would say the apologist also needs to know a couple arguments for the existence of God. So this will help you with atheists. Do you know uh, the evidence for the existence of God? There's the moral argument. All right, where does morality come from? There's the cosmological argument. Uh, who, who created the universe? Where did that come from? Uh, there is what I love, the DNA argument, who created DNA, information, language, etc., that's in all living things. I think that's important. That's kind of like falls under the design argument. So know a couple arguments for the existence of God. I think an apologist needs to know how to defend the resurrection. And I think the person who does that best is someone named Gary Habermas. There are William Lane Craig also does it. There's Mike Lacona and some others. Uh, the McDowells, Josh and Sean McDowell, all, all of them are very good. There's the minimal facts argument I think is useful. 
I think that the apologist should know should be able to defend the Christian position on social issues. Do you have the basics of pro-life, natural, biblical, traditional marriage, sexuality and gender? You need to be able to, if you want to have a good foundation in apologetics, you need to be able to be able to explain and defend the basic Christian positions on those topics. And then finally, if you are an apologist, be able to know how and where to find information when you don't have an answer. I think that's something that's underrated, that even if you have to say, I don't know, and I think I don't know is a great gift in a way. When people ask you tough questions, sometimes you're backed into a corner like, oh, I don't know how to answer this. Say, I don't know. I don't know frees you from being what I call Christian Google, Johnny on the spot with all the answers. I think that Christian Google is not what we should aim for because it's impossible. No one can know all the answers to all the questions. I love apologetics. I would consider myself an apologist. But even I, I've studied a lot of issues for years. And some people will ask me questions. I'll be like, oh, man, that's a good one. I'll have to get back to you. I don't know takes so much pressure off of you. But if you're going to have a basis, a, a foundation in apologetics, you need to know where you can go to find answers. So for me, I'm often listening to podcasts. There's Cross-Examined with Frank Turek, Stand to Reason with Greg Kokel, Reasonable Faith with William Lane Craig, and some others. Sean McDowell, and I think his name is Dr. Scott Ray. I believe they have a podcast from Biola. That, that's another good one etc. Know where to find answers. Uh, they also have websites for all the people I mentioned. No, uh, I think another website I like is Got Questions, I believe. Got Questions, I think, is a good is a good website as well. Not that I agree with everything that's said on these websites, uh, because like uh, Greg often says this, that uh, he doesn't agree with every everything someone says, uh, everything a person may say. But sometimes he doesn't agree with himself on some issues. So that, that's the way it is. So I'm not endorsing everything they're saying, but I think they're just in general good resources. And I think that's the foundation in apologetics. No basic Christian doctrine and theology. Know a couple arguments for the existence of God. Know how to defend the resurrection, because I think our whole faith hinges on the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, written by Paul, makes that clear. The resurrection is a historical event. Jesus rose from the dead physically. Sometimes on the more liberal slash progressive side, they might argue, it's symbolic. It just represents our hope we have. And it wasn't a literal physical resurrection. No, none of that. Jesus rose from the dead physically. That matters. Be able to defend the Christian position on social issues. Think about pro-life, the abortion topic, natural biblical marriage, sexuality and gender. And then finally, when you don't have an answer to something, 
make sure you have a good stable of resources that you can go to books podcasts websites i know uh, sean mcdowell josh mcdowell they have evidence that demands a verdict that's a big one that's a classic uh william lane craig has a book called on guard which goes over arguments for the existence of god and just lots of good stuff out there youtube has lots of apologist channels that you can go to and i think that all in all all told as the years go by all told you will be quite the apologist if you have this foundation and then if you want to move beyond that my advice to you there are courses there are degrees i know school's expensive but there are also some courses available to you from stand to reason cross-examined reasonable faith where you can get educated on all these various topics for cheap or free so there's also further education you can get some of the thicker more technical books if you want to be more expert level or at least dive deeper into specific topics but that comes after you have a good foundation as an apologist then go for it i think that that's good we need experts we need people who can go into specific fields science technology, politics, uh, all the rest, uh, uh, counseling slash therapy slash, uh, slash psychology. We need experts in all of it. And we also need generalists, people who are good at all these different topics. That leads me to what I'll be talking about next. On Atheist Republic, there's an article titled 100 Above Board Questions About God. And this is the lead in and we'll get we can't cover all 100 questions, but I thought that this will kind of lead us into after the break, we'll go through them and just see that, hey, these questions really aren't that difficult. But let me read the intro to this article. Questioning the ideas of God is a useful way to make people curious about the inconsistencies in religions. So I, this is uh, Jeff Moore, I've created these 100 above board questions about God from the theological philosophical, ethical, natural, scriptural, and evolutionary standpoint. While it is very much obvious that no God will descend to earth to answer all these questions, since there is no such thing as God, and no religious person will be able to provide any precise and unequivocal answer to these questions, I still am addressing these questions so that atheists and freethinkers can use these in a debate or conversation with the theists. So I think that bookmarking this article could come in handy in the future. Oh, no, y'all. I don't know. Can I answer these? It'll be tough. Uh, just kidding. Most of them aren't really that bad. But he put together 100 questions that, you know, you should ask theists. In my case, I'm a Christian. And we'll go over these on the other side of this break. Are these questions terrible? Will I be stumped? We'll have to see on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Marketing can be overwhelming. The marketing landscape is full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with a purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at .edison.com. Hey everybody, this is Kurt Cameron and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. 
Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. Greg Davis has been out for this show, but he'll be back next week. My name is Nate Williams. We have Andrew in the studio. So as we head towards 7 o'clock on this Friday night, y'all, it's been a great show. Talked about a bunch of good things. But I'm going to jump right into the questions that this atheist, uh, Jeff Moore, on the website Atheist Republic, says, oh, man, these are good questions to ask theists, people who believe in God. And so uh, these are common questions you might come across, and we will be talking about them. I think these are interesting, and like I said, they're, they're often common. And uh, do you have good answers for them? Do I have good answers for them? We're about to find out. Question number one, again, I'm not going to go over all 100, but I'll just walk through some of them. Question number one, if there is a God, why is there no compelling evidence for his existence? I'm just going to flat out disagree. I just don't agree with the premise of the question. Why is there no compelling evidence for his existence? I mean, have you looked at the stars? Have you looked at the intricacy of the, of the, of the cell? What about DNA? What about the cosmological argument? What about the moral argument, right and wrong? I think there is a ton of evidence for the existence of God, not, not even talking about the resurrection and the minimal facts argument. So I'm just going to disagree with the premise of the question. Question number two, who is the creator of God? You'll often hear this from atheists. Atheists will say, well, okay, well, if God created the world, who created God? And it kind of comes across as like a stump question, like who created God? Nanana boo boo, I gotcha. But there's one problem with that. In the definition of God, what it means to be God means to be existence. God is existence. He's always existed. So when you speak of God, capital G-O-D, God has always existed, which means he doesn't need a creator. That's built into the very definition of what it means to be God. Number three, how did God used to exist? How did God used to exist without space and time or before the Big Bang event? God is spirit. God is not made of matter. So God, how did God used to exist before space and time? Uh, God is spirit. Again, he created space. He created time. That gets into some philosophy. But anyways, question number four, how did God become full of magic and strength and supremacy without any complex evolution of his own? So like, how did God get to be all powerful and all knowing without going through some evolutionary stages? Well, that's simple. God didn't need to. God is God. It's built into the definition of what it means to be God, to be omniscient, omnipotent, always existing, eternal, infinite. That's what it means when you say the word God. Anyway, so, so that, again, gets into some philosophy. What is the gender of God? God has no gender. He's spirit. Number six, if God has gender, what gave him gender? Well, he doesn't. If God has no gender, what made him genderless? Well, he's God. He's spirit. No one made him genderless. He just, that's how it is. If God has no gender, why do his followers address him as male? That's just the way he revealed himself. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Jesus came to earth as a male. And so that's why uh, there is something interesting there, kind of a side note. 
we do need to talk more about God's traditionally female attributes. We love to talk about God as a warrior and as a king and a strong ruler. And uh, yeah, well, that's great. That's very true. That's very accurate. But God does have a motherly side as well that we should not neglect. God is very nurturing. God is very caring. God listens. Those are more, uh, fair or not, more traditionally feminine attributes we should talk about more. So I'm all for it. But uh, why do his followers address him as male? Uh, well, that's because that's how he revealed himself. And so, again, you get kind of these gotcha type questions, but... They're not really that scary when you walk through it, when you talk with it. I'll skip down to number 14. Now, at this point, I'm just going to kind of bounce around a little bit. Number 14, why does God become angry and jealous if he is only good? And so you'll, you'll get that question from atheists. Why does God get jealous if he's good? Well, the simple answer to that is anger and jealousy are not necessarily bad things. I often say that with anger. With anger, if as long as it's holy anger, you're not sinning. Anger is just a difficult emotion to feel without sinning. It's a tough one because oftentimes we want to say something mean. We want to lash out physically. Well, those things are sinful. Uh, so we do want to be careful. This is what I say about anger. Anger is fine as long as you watch what you do while you're angry what you say, what you think while you're angry, and also as long as you're careful for how long the duration, how long you feel angry. But yeah, why does God become angry and jealous if he's only good? The answer, again, simple. Anger and jealousy are not necessarily bad things. Uh, let's see what else do I want to talk about. Number 19, how will God exist forever if everything has an end? The answer to that one's easy. Not everything has an end. So sometimes when an atheist or anyone asks you a question, you have to question the premise. It's like, all right, I don't agree with the way the question's even set up. So number 19, how will God exist forever if everything has an end? Not everything has an end. God will exist for eternity. Now I'm skipping around because I can't go through everything uh let's see why did god create millions of species this is number 39 why did god create millions of species who are extinct extinct today if i could pronounce that extinct today in the first place if he wanted to make them extinct why why did species go extinct like what was the point of that well remember we've sinned in our sin god put the world under a curse and with our free will, we rebelled against God, and God said, okay, you want to act like God now? Fine. You take care of the world. You rule over it. You do your own thing, and we make—we're we're terrible rulers. We need God. God is on the throne. We need to worship him and obey him, and uh, one day God is going to recreate things, make th all things new, new heavens, new earth. But basically, why did God allow animals to go extinct? because of our sin that's one of the punishments of the curse is that we introduced sin and death anyways friends uh, i know we're about to head towards seven o'clock so i can't go through all 100 but the point of me running through all these questions is to show you that don't be afraid of questions there are good 
answers to these questions. Some of the gotcha questions, the, oh, let's stump the Christian questions. Don't worry. Don't fear. You can also say, I don't know. I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. And anyways, I think those that those are good apologetics lessons. Y'all, this has been quite a week. Quite a week. A lot of stuff has happened. If you've missed any of it, make sure to check out our Priority Talk podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify, and elsewhere. Y'all will be back next week. Make sure to always be praying. Make sure to be, be in church on Sunday mornings and always part of that church community. Y'all be driving safe. Hope you're safe wherever you're at, and we'll be back Monday. So I'm going.